Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. I am glad to have you from around this country and around the world as you download our information and study the Word of God with us. We're glad to have those of you that are listening on Lift Him Higher Radio as well. We want to welcome you today, and we want you to know you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com. MikeSpringstonMinistries.com, FFCMA.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. I also want to remind you of my book, I Surrender. It's uh, You can purchase it through Amazon or at your local bookstore. Today we're going to begin session 12 of the teaching on operating in the God kind of faith. We're going to begin today with Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. So just before we pray, I want to say thank you so much to everybody that is downloading. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to be involved with your ministry. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll go into the scripture. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then, Father, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son. Now, Lord, I ask you to speak through the Holy Ghost and reveal to us what you would want us to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you do, we will receive it and release it to your people and we will be corrected and we will be blessed and we will be trained and equipped for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for it all. Anoint your word as you always do. Speak through us. We give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Looking into today, session 12 of Operating in the God Kind of Faith, we look into Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, which says, Set your affection on things above, not on the earth. My friend, listen to Paul. He's saying this for a reason. If we get caught being distracted by the world, we'll chase things that are fostered in our natural or soulish arena. We look for those things, and when we find them, our soul will bend itself towards protecting those things more than to be in tune to the things of the Spirit. I'm convinced that God does not produce for us most of the things of which we are praying about. And I believe it's for a very simple reason. He knows that we do not have the depth of spiritual expertise to handle the things that we desire. And he knows that if we had them, we would not be able to remain in an ability to maintain the required depth of spiritual focus. I'm further convinced that it is not that he does not desire for you and me to have what it is that we want. He's spoken on the issue through Paul quite clearly. 
But again, the issue is not his willingness, nor is it his ability. It's simply our inability to maintain keeping the main thing the main thing. We've not sufficiently died to our own flesh. Further, concerning this death, we, because we have not died sufficiently, we are not able to pull the wool over God's eyes. Hebrews chapter 4 makes certain that we understand that. Let's look into that. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, what is the word of God? Is it the scripture? In this verse, the word, word, is shown as a lowercase w. The Greek word that it represents is logos. It means something said that includes the thought, by implication, a topic, also reasoning and or a motive. This becomes the divine expression, which is Christ. So the logos, which is Christ, who is of God, is quick and powerful. His abilities are boundless as they go into the extreme depth of the soul, or what we know as the mind, will, and emotions, as well as into the spirit. In his divine expression, he can see the reason why one is doing what he or she is doing. He knows not only the thoughts behind it, but he also knows the spirit that is the force for the thought. Now, this is an extremely important thing to understand when we're attempting to utilize the gift of God, which is faith. Jesus Christ knows the reason for your desires. Verse 13, Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You, me, and anybody are made manifest in his sight. He sees us. So one must be an understanding of this. Prior to us entangling ourselves with a spirit that's not acceptable in the realm of his kingdom. For this reason, Paul penned Romans 12, 1 through 3, we ought to make sure that we have sacrificed ourselves and that we are able to prove through that sacrifice, through cleansing, purging, and refining, what is good, acceptable, and perfect concerning the will of God. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now this becomes very interesting right here. That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. 
Let us hold fast our profession. Now, what are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with what we term as the Ephesians 2.8 sort of faith? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Or are we dealing with the faith that comes to us through Paul's writing in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, and verse 20. For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now we readily see the Ephesians 2.8 faith, and we look into Galatians 2.20 and we find a faith that is by Jesus Christ. When Paul, here in, in Hebrews 4, involves the high priest, he's involving the blood. It's from here that the blood works with grace. Now remember, there are four parts of grace of which the blood blessings connect. They are favor, influence, the way God does things, and the open judgment of heaven for blood-related promises. So Paul is relating the emphasis of the word of God, Jesus Christ, on the things that are delegated to us by the blood. This then opens the window for all believers to operate in faith or opens the door for all believers to operate in faith by connecting the two immutable things that have been provided for us by the work of the high priest. As he passed into the heavens, he sprinkled the blood on the vessels of ministry. That blood was sprinkled for our ability to have what is about to be revealed by Paul in the subsequent verses. So we can clearly see how this process works. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, dissects the inner man, and he dissects the soul. He lays open the things into which the root, now get this, he lays open the things into which the root is feeding from. Now that, my friend, is a divine revelation concerning faith. Once the source, not the root, but the source is defined, he, Jesus Christ, by the boundless investigating of the word of the operation of the work of the high priest can begin. He is investigating what is the source, not the root. The root is your want and your desire. But what he is investigating is from what spirit that root and that desire are being manifested. That's important. Because if it's being manifested from selfishness, if it's being manifested from covetousness, if it's being manifested from jealousy, if it's being manifested from a position from which you are feeling as deserving 
then he's going to investigate what the source is. We know what the root is. The root is our want and our desire. But Jesus Christ, knowing the root, will always investigate into what the source is. Now, there are often times when he'll give you what you want and you'll lose what you had. Yeah, that happens. I can tell you multiple. But if we will follow the process as laid out, then he will cut out the source that makes your desire selfish, that makes your wants operate in disobedience, in jealousy, in covetousness. The high priest, who is the word, and who John said is full of grace, releases grace from himself, and he mixes it with the blood that has been sprinkled. Then what is the final ingredient, of course, faith is. How do we know that? Well, Paul tells us so if we look at the scripture. He said, now that you understand the process, what the high priest has done for you, hold fast your profession. What is this profession of which we're to hold fast? To seize, retain, or lay hold of so that we can obtain or take something? Well, that's faith. We have a substance as defined earlier, which is grace, and we have an evidence also defined earlier, which is the blood. And these have been provided for us by the work of the high priest. He can and is touched by what he sees that is required to produce in you a work of which both grace and the blood can complete. Verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, what are we seeing? What is Jesus seeing? He's seeing a weakness in us or a frailty. He knows the origin of the spirit that is attacking you. He knows the source. He knows the root. But it's the source of which he's after. He not only has inspected the source, but he's lived under the same source of attack. Why is that important? Because having lived under the pressure of being sanctified and pure, but yet attacked by the demonic on every hand, he knows exactly where to go in you, <coughs> excuse me, and in your spirit and in your soul to apply what he has done as the high priest. Thank God for a high priest who knows how we feel under the weight of a spiritual attack and under mental duress. We can have faith. We can have faith in what he has done to prevail over those demonic influences. 
we can also take courage that what he has done as the high priest has provided a means to the connection of grace and the blood. Verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now with our inner self and our soul, mind, will, and emotions fixed through a word of repentance, let me explain. The word of God that is dividing one and manifesting what he sees is doing so for the purpose of repentance or correction by the word, Jesus Christ, who is discerning what is going on in your spirit and in your soul. Now when he finds the spirit, the root, the thing that is feeding the root to be something that needs to be corrected. He enlightens that and you repent. What do you do then? You step over it and move on. You don't live there. You don't stay there. You don't maintain the root. You cut it off and you eliminate the source. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16, that in his name you would cast down devils. Now we miss that in our Western faith model. We do not identify with the transformation in the mind and in the inner man once we get saved. We no longer see the necessity of guarding and keeping our heart. So we often allow stuff for lack of a better term, and going into the many possibilities that may leave out something that is directly related to you personally. And you would say, well, he didn't mention that, so it must not be wrong. All I will say is stuff to enter into our consciousness without regard to the need for purging. Paul's reason for the connection of these scriptures is to cause the reader to first identify the work of repentance and purging that accompanies the work of the high priest. Now, with a corrected spirit and a renewed mind that's flowing with the freedom that's been established by grace and the blood, we're prepared to enter into the throne room of God. If there is a residual sin that remains in the inner man, if there is a spirit that is feeding a root that remains in the inner man or in the soul, then there is absolutely no means for entrance into the throne room of God. And someone said, now wait a minute, Pastor. Jesus did it all for us. What he did opened the door for us to go into the throne room at will, so you need to back off of this line of teaching. All I can say is, Hold on, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Look at verse 12 and 13 and tell me this. If Jesus was perfect after the resurrection, if he became the high priest and if he sprinkled the blood on the vessels of ministry, if he became Lord and if he returned to the Godhead bodily, then why would he be searching himself? 
Why would he be laying his perfect spirit and soul open to look to see what was in there? Why would he be looking for what his own heart is thinking and what his own heart is intending to do? Why would Paul refer to any creature if he were referring to Christ? Why would he state that there's nothing that is not manifest in the sight of the word of God? Because he then would only be looking at himself. Why would the feelings of the high priest even be relevant? Why would he be touched by the weaknesses? Why would we have weaknesses? Why would they be relevant in the heavenly economy? Why would our feelings make any difference? Why would Paul refer to those of whom he is talking about here as we? He would refer to he, not me. No, my friend. Here Paul is referring to those who are following him into the throne room. They must have had his work clean them, purge them, and refine them just as it had done to him and for him. If we choose to remain in the source of detected sin that is feeding a root in us, that is bringing out of us the works of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, pride, or the lust of the eye. And my friend, we're not accepted in the beloved. We have absolutely no status due to what he has done. We have rebelled against the two immutable things. Of course, we know they are grace and the blood. Should we be followers of Jesus Christ through his accomplished work that has provided both grace and the blood, then we can come boldly because we come just, now think about it, as Jesus came. We are now joint heirs with him. We are citizens of the family of God. We're priests after the order of Melchizedek. When he sees us, because we have come by the way of Jesus Christ, he sees Jesus. It's the whole nature and the purpose of the smoke and the order of incense that wafts up into the Holy of Holies. There we appear through the same smoke as Jesus Christ. We walk into the graciousness of God. We come into the place where the manner of acting is the things that are the acceptable benefit of the provisions that are in Christ Jesus. What do we do? When we have repented, solved and eliminated the sources of sin, come through grace, come through the blood, come into the throne room of God boldly because we come in as a priest, there 
We have the ability now to obtain things. That's what Paul says. We take out of there because, now watch it now, we have something offered to us. We have the ability to take what has been offered. Well, what has been offered? Everything that the blood covers, plus all of the promises of God that are yea and amen in him. So we have the ability to receive the things that God has provided for us in and through the marriage of grace and the blood. Now what does that consist of? Mercy. God expresses his divine compassion upon us. Now remember when Jesus had compassion in Mark 6 and Matthew 14 when he saw the multitude and he looked out over them and they were hungry and they were weak and they were sick and they had been with him and he looked out over them with compassion and he fed them and he healed them and he encouraged them and he uplifted them. He began to minister, not to one need, but to any and every need and probably even multiple needs in each and every individual. But whatever it was that they needed, he produced it. He did it out of compassion. Remember in Matthew 20 when he had compassion on the eyes of the blind? When we get our faith program operating correctly, we can be assured that mercy or compassion will be flowing from the throne room of God. What a dynamic position to be in. When we get ourselves into the throne room of God with our spirit and our soul correctly oriented, then he ministers to us from the exact same attitude that he has already been seen to minister to the Jews and to minister in scripture. Then this compassion leads us back to the process. It leads us back to grace. Now, the process recycles itself. The four parts of grace connected to the blood and the profession of faith becomes the applicator. So there is a definite conclusion. Now watch it here now. When the process is completed under the system of which it is designed, look at verse 16 and the last of it, to help in time of need. When will all the instruction manifest? That's always this thing. How long, God? How long, God? My friend, God is not oriented to your time clock. God does not function under the time that the natural man has set. God functions under the manifestation of his will and his good pleasure and his every good and perfect gift that comes to us with no shadow of turning and no variableness in it. God manifests at the time we need it. When your time of need is apparent, when is your time? Well, it's the time you want it. That often is one of the root that is operating from a source that is unacceptable to God. 
We begin to bang the table, you know, and tell God what we want, when we want it, and how we want him to do it. That root feeds from a source. What is that source, Pastor? It's called selfishness. It's called lust. It's called disobedience. Those sources feed something that has a root. And that root tells you it's got to be done now. This is the moment when I see the need. This is the moment when I have to have the man. This is the moment when I have to have the job, whatever the case. So, when is your time of need? Look at the words. Look at them closely. In time of need. This is not indigenous to what you consider to be an appropriate time. The Greek calls it the nick of time upon which Jesus reveals the meeting of your need. Now this is the conclusion of a process whereby you, now you're going to get an answer, but in order for you to get an answer, you must have prepared yourself in a spiritual way to have a spiritual encounter with Jesus Christ in the throne room of God. All too frequently, friends, we pray about it, pray about it. God doesn't manifest what we want when we want it, so we go and jump into it and the consequences and the repercussions of that by any and all means of measurement would not be things that have turned out for our good. By any and all measurement, we would look at it and say, this has been an albatross across my neck. This has been a cross that I've had to bear. Why? Because we operated in our own time. But there is a conclusion. When the spiritual self prepares itself for an encounter with Jesus Christ in the throne room, wow, 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 wow. We want God when we want him. And on the terms of time as we perceive the need, obviously God does not operate under those conditions. He's designed a plan and designated a structure that allows man entrance, but that entrance is based upon precise actions that follow precise steps. We do not rush into the throne room of God as we would into our mother or our father in the natural. Someone said, well, that's different. Yes, it is. It's different. When considering what we've been conditioned to believe by Western world theology. However, as I've just described for you, it's not a teaching that I have determined. It's the means by which Paul shared as the design of God for our entrance into the throne room. We will not come into the throne room in tears. No, we will not. We will not come into the throne room in doubt. We will not come into the throne room of God with any of our natural self spewing from our lips. No, sir. We will come in looking, acting, and talking like one who has been made a priest. Now watch it now. We will come in as one who is a citizen of a city where there resides none of the natural emotions that weigh us down in this world. We'll come in victorious 
And we'll come in anointed because of our relationship to the victor. We will bring into the throne room of God our spoils. Watch it. And lay our natural self at his feet. What a glorious moment. My body, my family, my job, my finances, my home, my possessions, and everything that has a name, I will lay them before him. How will they be laid? They will be laid as the plunder of a conqueror who has conquered in Christ Jesus. Now that encounter takes on a completely new dimension. I am come to worship. Lay all of the cares of this life at his feet. <clears throat> what do I leave with the benefits? <clears throat> what do I leave with? The benefits <clears throat> of the blessing that he identifies that will help us better control the natural man. We leave with a greater anointing to serve him more deeply. Now what could these involve? As I lay my natural man and his weakness down. I find strength and healing. As I lay my finances down, I find a way to be blessed by other men to provide for my needs. You can place your personal needs right into this vein of thought. He'll give you the benefits of mercy and grace right there. Now remember the price that you paid to get there. You can go there repeatedly and receive again and again. But the process will always be through the same door and accomplished by the same system. My friend, this is a dynamic faith walk. I want you to study this. I want you to meditate on this. And I want you to come into this design. And your faith will accomplish at the moment when it is required exactly what it is that you have been able to attain, obtain from the throne room of God. Father, I praise you for the word of God. Minister to your people. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Find him as Lord. Here you'll find that everything in your life has become a plunder to you. It's become something that the victoriously anointed Christ has brought under his dynamic control and reign in his kingdom. Find him as the man in the Godhead and he will speak things that are his into your life and you will be transformed as you grow and develop in the kingdom of his dear son. Blessings to you until we have the opportunity to speak again.